0: This is the Canna Curio Podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license updates directly from the data vault. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Media newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay informed of future episodes and data releases.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for joining the Canna Curio Podcast by Cannabis Media. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. We've got a great show lined up for you today, and we'll be speaking with Tim Sultan of Marijuana Industry Trade Association. Before we tune in with Tim, let's check in with Ed and see what he's learned from the data this week.
2: Hey, Amanda. uh, The team is working with a a variety of data sets this week really thanks to a lot of our government relations work. Not all the data uh, we get is easy to obtain. So we're in the process of adding in license numbers and violations from Washington, D.C. We've also got some correspondence in the works with New York, Hawaii, and Florida, where we've actually had to pay to secure uh, some new information. And we'll be adding in license numbers for Missouri. And license numbers are really important because A lot of our clients use the database for validation, Uh, some of them use our validation API actually to make sure that the businesses that they are working with actually have a license so when we can have license numbers from the state that makes it easier for that handshake to occur so we're excited to be adding that into uh, into the platform.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to see the license numbers for Missouri as well and, you know, just seeing what other information the data team is able to provide for us uh, this week. We're joined by Tim Sultan, Executive Director of the Marijuana Industry Trade Association. Tim, we're so happy to have you on the show. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Amanda and Ed. Great to be with you both.
1: Great to have you on here uh, and this is a fun way to get connected during this quarantine. We're virtually uh, communicating over on the podcast. But, you know, for those of us who, who don't know, we'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself, Tim. How long have you been in the industry?
0: Well, I got involved about two and a half years ago. Um, a friend of mine from high school, um, Dimitri, who had founded Mita, actually, called me up and uh, asked if I wanted to meet Vicente Fox, the former president of Mexico. And so I came up to Phoenix and we hit it off and he invited us down to his, uh, his, his hacienda in Mexico to coordinate the first cannabis conference down there at his presidential, presidential library. And so that was my first introduction and it was about a year, two and a half years ago and we launched a great conference and then the following year launched another one and uh, in the meantime, I, uh, I started um, an online media company called the Arizona Cannabis News. Um, just started learning more and more about the, the owners and the people in the industry. And um, then I was hired as the executive director of the Arizona Dispensaries Association. And that's a group here in Arizona that represents just the dispensary owners. And There are 131 license holders in Arizona. And, and they have a, a small, pretty tight group that formulates a lot of the policy and in uh, legal efforts for our uh, for our industry during that time last year so that was 2019 um, we raised some money got the owners together to launch an adult use initiative a ballot initiative that's going to be on the ballot this year in November November of 2020 and it's called the smart and safe Arizona initiative and uh, we're pretty darn sure it's going to pass we've already collected all of the signatures that are required in fact you know 25 percent more than are required and that's a big deal right now with coronavirus because um, many of the other in fact i think all of the other ballot initiatives have stopped collecting signatures and did not have anywhere near the amount that they needed we stopped collecting signatures of course but we already had way more than we needed so Uh, It'll be on the ballot in 2020, and we're excited about that. And so after the ADA, uh, I came over here to MEDA, where I had started, to make it um, uh, um, even bigger of of an association that represents not just the owners, but the 6,000 people who work in the dispensaries in Arizona and the 220,000 patients that we have here. So um, the Marijuana Industry Trade Association is more of an industry-wide association rather than just for the license holders. But we work very closely together.
1: Wow. I mean, over the last two and a half years, you've accomplished quite a lot uh, here within the industry, Tim. That's fantastic. Um...
0: Just so grateful to be a part of it, as I'm sure you are. Um, I haven't accomplished anything, but I've just been along for the ride. Could not be more grateful, especially as a patient. You know, I was diagnosed um, 17 years ago now with multiple sclerosis and uh, just kind of assumed my body would continue to deteriorate as I got older. But over the last three years since I've been using cannabis as a medicine, my body has gotten stronger. I am losing my um, my symptoms. My uh, you know, my I'm I'm regaining my ability to walk and I'm just so grateful for this plant.
2: Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us today, Tim. Um, I want to ask a little bit more about media uh i used to be part of a trade association and and you know as 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 we looked out on how we served our our constituents and our stakeholders it it fell into this area of protecting promoting and informing for the industry so that's what i'd like to dig in uh to start with so on the protect side a lot of associations work to uh, secure the interests of their members And, and and for you i think it's helping to change the landscape on the state in the in the federal side i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that uh especially uh one of the areas about uh meritorious dispensary applications because if i remember correctly the last time they gave out licenses in uh arizona it had to do with a ping pong ball machine borrowed from the lottery division of the state so so i'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, you know sort of both those things
0: oh boy i'd forgotten about the ping pong ball machine so back in 2010 when the voters in arizona passed our medical marijuana law um it took them you know about a year and a half two years to to really get things regulated and organized so department of health services which is our regulator um they had received way more applications for dispensary licenses than they intended to afford uh, um um grant so uh, they 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 took a, a lottery ping pong um uh ball machine and uh, and and did a lottery for for the people who were going to win it and really the first 131 balls or maybe it was 99 balls at the time yeah yeah um, yeah
2: because they did a sub supplemental one I think in 2015 right, 17 something like
0: that where we added more licenses so they they gave away all the the 99 or whatever licenses back then um, via the lottery system and so we still to this day talk about the the owners who own these licenses that are now worth minimum of $10 million each, mm. which back then, you know, it cost them maybe $50,000 to do everything. Um, so, so we call them people who won the lottery.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it, it makes sense. Well, and the other piece too, if I remember correctly, is the number of dispensaries tied in with the number of pharmacies in the state. Is that right?
0: Yes, sir. Exactly. Um, The Department of Health Services decided that the equitable way to decide how many dispensaries we should have is to make it based on the number of pharmacies. So for every 10 pharmacies in Arizona, we're allowed to have one medical marijuana dispensary.
2: Wow. Wow. So for, for, from a trade association standpoint, you know, how do you address that? Like, what are some of the goals of the association in, in terms of that, if there are any on on that uh, side in terms of number of licenses and, you know, how they're going to get doled out in the future?
0: Well, that's that's the, the big, big question. I'll, ta- I'll get into a little inside baseball right now, actually. So I mentioned um, the last organization I, I worked with last year. Um, represents only the license holders. So their only interest is in the value of that license. So they wanna make sure that we continue to have a small number of licenses that are worth a lot of money and provide you know, medicine to, to as many people as possible. That's also why they um, funded the Smart and Safe Adult Use Initiative because next year after adult use goes into effect, we anticipate that our half a billion dollar industry in Arizona is going to triple to one and a half billion dollars in retail sales. So for those 131 owners who own those dispensaries that's fantastic and they want to make sure that that we don't you know have another hundred or three hundred licenses that's going to diminish their income. So um, there's some other trade association well there's our trade association MEDA that represents everyone now, those 6,000 dispensary agents who work at dispensaries, many of them have dreamed of owning something, of owning a dispensary or owning a brand or owning a cultivation site. And so um, our job at this trade association is to make sure that they have an opportunity to participate in this economy as well, not just mm-hmm. as a worker, but as an owner. And so we've, um, uh, in, in other groups like Normal, have uh, cooperated cooperated with um, the owners and worked very well in Arizona, and I think that's why we're going to win because we're all working together. And what we've um, come to is an agreement where we're going to increase the 131 licenses with an additional 26 licenses when adult use passes in November, and those 26 licenses are going to be going to um, people chosen by DHS as having social equity needs. Um, So those maybe who have been hurt by the prohibition on cannabis or in other respects have some social equity, um, you know, issues that they're dealing with.
2: Wow, that's cool. I mean, definitely different than the... uh in the Oklahoma approach where uh, we've got uh, several thousand dispensaries in a very small state. And I think when Amanda and I last talked, it was like one dispensary for every 1700 citizens. And that includes, you know, everybody. So, so definitely, uh, you know, where trade association can really add a lot of value and and help out their stakeholders. Now, The the second piece uh, I,
0: And I'll just add one one last thing to that that I I didn't mention is right now, you know, Arizona, all of our licenses are vertically integrated. So you get the cultivation, on-site cultivation license. You get an off-site cultivation license. You get a kitchen where you can make uh, extracts. You get a retail location. So when adult use goes into effect in November, you get another vertical license just like that with all the same benefits. So everyone who owns a license who is also awarded an adult use license is going to get an additional on-site grow license, an additional off-site grow license, mm-hmm. an additional, um, you know, extracts. So what that means is they can, if they don't want to have another grow, they can sub-lease that out to somebody else, some other entrepreneur who wants to get some land and grow some, grow some flower. They can do that by just renting that piece of the license from the owner.
2: Great. Wow. That's uh that's a fascinating, uh, and powerful approach. So it certainly helps out a lot of the stakeholders that exist and also uh, new ones. So moving ahead beyond protect for the industry, the the other area is is promoting and Mita is known for its best-in-class events and sort of curious you know, how you're handling that during COVID-19, especially as, you know, this new program rolls out toward November, where there's probably going to be a lot of questions about all those great uh, new programs that you outlined. People are going to be hungry to find out about it, but in-person events are probably not going to happen. So how are you guys handling that?
0: Right. So uh, we we normally hold our events on the third Wednesday of every month at, um, at a big hotel, and it's the place to be every month. We get 350 industry people there and they all love to chat and socialize and give each other the latest updates and now we can't do that so we're moving to an online model and over the last two weeks we've been testing out some different different um, Zoom related um, online models and I think we've settled on one. There's a company called HIO, H-I-O and, and they have a pretty good system that I think we're going to use. Um, the people are thirsting for information. So what we've been doing so far is just using our email. We have an email database of 42,000 people in Arizona, and we send emails out a couple of times a month with updates on what's happening in the industry, and we include in there um, advertisements. So uh, the brands like Timeless or Select or you know whatever, they wanna get the word out. Um, and about new product launches, about old products, about deals, and so um, they can they can purchase banner ads and other things, and we we send that out to our forty two thousand patients and industry people people interested in cannabis. And so that's what we're doing. We're just moving everything online, and that seems to be pretty powerful. Um, uh, also, uh, Instagram and, and Twitter as well.
2: No, oh, it sounds like a really smart approach, and. Just making use of the tools that we have at our uh, at our disposal. All right. Lastly, you know, protect, promote, now inform. And you know, as an information industry person and as the chief data officer, I'm always interested about the inform part. Um, you talk uh, a lot uh, about sort of the industry information that you make available to um, your members, and you know, we're obviously an industry information partner as well. I'd just like to hear about sort of what you do provide to your members and how do they use that.
0: We provide information to patients when we have uh, new programs rolling out like for example in Arizona last, last year we switched from having a, a, a card, a hard card that you use for your patient card to an electronic card and that was a big transition and so we worked with our regulator DHS to make sure all the patients transitioned over properly um, but really the main thing we work with are the dispensary operators and owners and the people working in the management there so Right now, you can imagine during COVID-19, they're all trying to figure out what to do on their own. And so uh, we're staying in close contact with the owners and with the Department of Health Services to make sure that we're all working cooperatively. Because um, when this first happened a couple of weeks ago, dispensaries realized it's not safe to have people come in. So they just, on their own, started doing curbside uh, takeout. And that's considered curbside pickup. And that's considered delivery in Arizona according to health services which is not permitted. Uh, They also just started doing deliveries um, in ways that were not officially permitted according to the regulations. And so um, uh, at MEDA representing the industry, we immediately reached out to our regulators and said, look, we all want the health and safety of our community paramount. Um, Are you going to be enforcing some of the regulations that just don't make sense right now? And they said, we agree the health of our community is paramount. We're not going to be citing for things like curbside delivery, um, and such we're not changing the regulations, but we're just not citing anyone. So do what you can to take care of your own people and the patients. Um, You're an essential essential business. And we're just not going to be citing people right now.
2: Great. Well, I mean, it really sounds like you guys have a really strong approach that's meeting the needs of all the stakeholders. and I'm really impressed to hear how closely you're working with uh, regulators because they are part of the process. you know they are the regulator and a lot of your members are the regulated and having a, a good relationship uh, among all those parties makes a lot of sense uh, also factoring in the patients too so so great job and, and thanks for letting me dig into the protect, promote and inform that uh, the media is uh, providing for the marketplace in Arizona.
1: Yeah. So, Tim, you know, in the following along the same vein of being a trade association and the benefits that you have for the community, you know, you recently became uh, a Cannabis Media Trade Association partner. Uh, And, you know, for those of you that aren't aware, you know, over the last year, Cannabis Media has partnered with various trade associations and business associations across the globe to help support their current members in terms of their business development and lead generation opportunities opportunities, as well as helping to further connect license holders to each other. And so, Tim, I wanted to ask you, you know, since recently joining, why did you become a Cannabis Media Trade Association partner?
0: Well, thanks, Amanda. You know, I first learned about Cannabis Media um, at MJ BizCon, and I got a, um, a, you know, a tour of, of, of the things that you have and signed up under your mailing list and then didn't think about it much really until i started receiving your amazing email updates wow the news that you guys get is way before it comes out in the media i don't know where you're getting this information but it makes me seem so smart and so uh, you know in my conversations i'm always talking to people at the companies that you cover we have a lot of multi-state operators here we have cresco labs we have harvest is headquartered here uh, in fact, you just had something last week about how the Harvest and Verano Holdings deal fell through, the $850 million deal. Um,
1: yeah, that's correct.
0: That was the first place I'd heard about it. So I immediately you know, emailed Steve White. He used to be my boss at the ADA last year, and he's the mm-hmm. CEO of Harvest mm-hmm. to find out what we can do, um, and just to find out what's happening. It's always good to know what's happening, and you keep us in the know. Um, Also with Jars Cannabis, you know, they're growing in Arizona, acquired a couple of locations that I hadn't heard about, and I heard about it from you. And so I I contacted both the owners, and they were so happy to hear from us, and and, uh, we were able to help them with another license they're looking at. So you have helped get us more involved in the industry and make us look like we're the go-to place for information
1: that Tim that's fantastic and I I really you know I also when I worked uh, previously before I joined the cannabis media team I um, also utilize this platform. And one of the ways that I was able to stay ahead of the curve was exactly through the, the daily newsletters that our president, Larry Schwartz, sends out every single day, just giving us the data highlights. And again, you know, within the platform, you can create curated lists to and set email alerts for yourself. So, you know, when anything is changed, whether it's, a you know, change in hand of a license holder, or if it's breaking news on a state that you're watching, I mean, we really, uh, I can say now this, I, I can comment confidently say this now because I'm on the back end of things, but we really do our best to provide our subscribers, our trade association partners uh, with the best available data possible, not just within the platform, but also within within the community. Um, so I'm so happy to hear that, uh, Tim. But uh, so. In terms of this new quarantine remote lifestyle that we find ourselves in, uh, in kind of wrapping up the conversation you had with Ed, you know, is there any COVID 19 business tips or tricks that you would like to share, uh, you know, as a trade association partner with Cannabis Media or, you know, as just a, a trade association trying to share some, some knowledge with the community?
0: You know, I would just say that during this COVID 19 time, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to learn more about the industry and, and uh, build your network, You've, especially since people can't go out. They're they're much more available to be reached right now. I think, frankly, if you if you can find them, um, so I've been enjoying a lot of webcasts on cannabis. Um, a lot of the organizations like you know Arcview and BDS Analytics are holding some very interesting uh, webinars where you can learn stuff the Max Simon, who's the CEO at Green, uh, forgot what name his company is.
1: Green Flower Media. Right, yeah. Green,
0: Green Flower Media. He offered, um, wonderful guy, he offered free um, training, free um, marijuana, you know, cannabis industry, bud tender training uh, for people, which is something actually I intend to take a look at. Um, and uh, so anyway, I would just say, ramp, you know, learn as much as you can and get ready for when this goes away. Um, and also what it there's never been a better time to start a business too so if you have contacts and you see a need like building a delivery business or you know making things more secure or whatever think of something that's going to be needed and create it this is the time that big companies can get started
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. I mean, you know, we have nothing but time now, so might as well spend it uh, being productive, being positive. And if you can create a solution for a problem or identify a problem here, then you can uh, hopefully work together uh, with, uh, building the community. So I appreciate that, that Tim and, um, yeah, I mean, we really appreciate having you on the show. I mean, it's been great having you as our trade association partner, um, as well as, uh, just a a friendly face uh, at conferences and hanging out, you know, definitely miss seeing you guys in person, but, um, thank you so much for, for joining us on today's show.
0: We look forward to continuing to work with you. Thanks both. Have a great day.
1: So, Ed, what do we have to look forward to in the upcoming weeks from the Data Vault?
2: Uh, Right now, the team is working with some new information that's coming from Oklahoma and Colorado as we've gotten new license issuance and updates from them. And then we're also going to continue our look back on the first quarter. So, where were licenses created? Where were the hotspots? We're going to do some. Ken Curio post on cultivation and manufacturing and the one that everybody will read next is dispensary and retail. Where did all those licenses get created? So what was interesting to me and a surprise was that while Oklahoma was certainly at the top of the list. I think they generated about 156 licenses this quarter. The second place state was not California but Michigan. I think they were somewhere around 60 licenses. Also For the companies that generated multiple licenses, like a lot. Two of them, the the top two spaces uh, included Michigan licenses. So I think we're finally starting to see Michigan perhaps come of age and really step in as one of the larger markets for people to keep an eye on.
1: As a Midwesterner, I am so pleased to hear that uh, Michigan is coming of age i like how i like how you phrase that ed but i'm looking forward to uh, seeing those updates and learning more about uh, the licenses Um, so everyone thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast we're your hosts amanda guerrero and ed keating stay tuned for more updates from the data vault